Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. On today's show, I'm delighted to have with me Emma Mora, CEO of The Gem Group, uh, Shannon Gruby, CEO of Black Friend Square, and Tyler Workman, CEO of the Akoa Refuge in Uganda. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Morning. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, Emma, I always start the show by asking my my CEO guests, what are the trends in your industry or area of expertise that you think are really important for other middle market CEOs to know about? So I'll start start the show off with that. For me, I'm going to leave the technology trends, which is my primary area, to Shannon. But I'd like to also talk about the trends I see for business people, CEOs who want to use their company as a platform to express their faith. And I think the biggest trend I see there is that there are just not enough people in what we call pure ministry, so preachers and churches and do-good sorts of ministries. And we find from a lot of studies that the pastor doesn't have as much credibility with business people as a good business person. And the Bible says something about doing excellent work so that other people will see you and ask good questions. That's my interpretation, my, my version of it. And so we as CEOs who come together in a CEO roundtable, a peer group, are doing what we think God calls us to do, which is to do work that is so good that people can't deny asking questions about why we do it that way. And so for me, it is uh, fulfilling what we think God's called us to do in terms of using the resources, our companies, to share Him with the world. So tell me about how you see CEOs using their belief to forward their vision, um, to do good in the world, and why you think that that's something that's an, an emerging trend. I mean, it's very timely for the holiday season, right, to be talking yeah. about this. So that wasn't an accident, listeners. <laughs> I did schedule that on purpose. Right. But why do you think that this is important now? I think it's always been important. And I think that people are becoming more and more uh, cognizant of the fact that, yes, there are laws and there are things that you have to take, be careful about, but that people today have so much going on in their lives and they're so disconnected, even in a very connected world technologically, that they seek something. And so when companies come together, the CEOs, that's their biggest resource and if they really believe in their faith, they have a strong faith, whatever it is, then they want to use everything in their lives to express that. And, and I think today you're going to see two examples. You can do that either directly, where you do things inside your company that express your Christian values, or you can do something indirectly, which is take the money that you earn by being an excellent business person and helping someone like Tyler in his efforts. Okay, great. So, Shan, let's, let's move over to you. T- talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing in your industry and an uh, area of expertise that you think is important for CEOs to be aware of. Yeah, so in my industry, um, we are Blackman Square. We're leading facilitator of global networks and infrastructure services. And based on Gardner, this report came out last week, uh, technology priorities for CIOs in 2016 Trends are number one. This is the challenges that uh, CIOs are facing. Number one is business uh, intelligence and analytics. Number two is cloud. Three is mobile. Four, digital marketing. Five, infrastructure and data center, followed by ERP, security, industry-specific apps, CRM. And number 10 is network and voice and data communications. And Blackfin Square helps solves problems in four of those arenas. Um, you know, so basically we are... Um, we simplify our client's technology posture in three key areas. The first is co-location and cloud services. So traditional co-location, space, power, cooling, uh, cloud services such as infrastructure as a service, DR as a service. 
Um, uh, What's DR? Uh, disaster recovery. <laughs> um, disaster recovery is a service, storage a service. So that's mm-hmm. the first kind of sandbox we play in. Second is um, global networks and telecom services. It's how the company was built 15 years ago is in the global uh, network space. And then, of course, virtual voice, which is hosted PBX, hosted IVR, hosted phone system. Um, trends in these industries from a telecom network perspective, um, it's really continued consolidation of providers and also just sunsetting old legacy technologies. Um, so if you're running an enterprise that um, has old school uh, voice technologies, just kind of be prepared that um, providers are forcing you to sunset those technologies and um, evolve into what's uh, current. As far as co-location and cloud, what we're seeing with our um, enterprises uh, is really the hybrid cloud model. Um, so it's still production environments in a specific or um, co-location facility, and then disaster recovery and testing environments in a um, DR facility. We do have a few clients that um, are moving all their production into the cloud, but for the most part, what we're seeing is still a hybrid approach. Mm. Um, so that's a little bit about Black and Square, what we do and the trends in our industry. And so if we're talking about this from the, the CEO perspective, uh, why and how does all that raise up to the executive level? So for me, that sounds like it's really kind of down into like IT and disaster, disaster recovery and IVR and all these other acronyms that people may or may not know or understand or understand why it has a bottom line impact, which is kind of what drives executive level thinking. So kind of bring that up a level for us and explain to us why CEOs should care about those trends. Well, I mean, technology it fuels your business. And so um, as a CEO, you want to be in line with the strategies that the CIO and the IT team are, um, are putting together. So you want to be part of those conversations. That's how your company grows is uh, the technology uh, and the back-end uh, production environment that fuels all um, your client uh, production services. All the revenue that comes out of your company is, um, is driven by the, those production environments. So it's just super critical to ask the questions, ask the right questions, and making sure you're in team or in sync uh, with leadership's um, decision-making. Mm-hmm. And of the trends that you listed from Gartner, um, in your practice, which one, which one would you say is the, the one that you think CEOs should pay the most attention to? I would say the data center, uh, cloud and uh, data center. Um, space, so co-location and cloud services, mm-hmm. uh, especially from a data center consolidation perspective. Uh, there's a lot of that going on now, especially for companies that are acquiring lots of businesses. They're inheriting these expensive co-location contracts. And the hybrid approach of production in a co-location facility, disaster recovery in the cloud allows you to execute that strategy a lot more efficiently and less money. You don't have to wait until an end, an expensive end-of-a-life um, hardware problem to go forward with a consolidation st- uh, strategy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very key, especially for companies that you know, acquire lots of businesses. Great. So let's revisit uh, Emma's trend around uh, you know, seeing uh, CEOs using their faith and um, you know, the, their value system uh, in their business. Have, are you seeing that in, in your work? And, and how are you seeing that, if so? Based on your work, you know, so yes. you're in okay. this IT world dealing with IVR and DR and cloud and collaboration and all this stuff, right? How, if so, are you, how are you seeing Emma's trend in, in your practice and in your work? Okay, so, well, for me personally, um, it, it's basically using the company as a platform to do good works. Um, had the company 17 years. It's not like I woke up one day, started a company and said, I'm going to make a kingdom ab- impact. I'm going to make Blackman <laughs> Square have a kingdom ab- impact. It's been an evolution for me. As my faith journey has matured, I've um, now realized that I can use it as a platform to do good. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, Jesus said that the greatest among us would be servant of all. And us as business owners, we serve employees by helping them develop and use their God-given talents to serve our clients with products and services that improve their quality of life, which serves owners with profitable expanding companies that allows us to serve our communities with volunteer time and contributions, like um, Tyler, as we pay taxes and support public sector services. So for me, it's just, it's a a servant leader mindset. you know, my part, I think, is easy. We're writing a check every day. What Tyler and Leave mm-hmm. and his organization does is um, 
I'm in awe of what they do. Mm. Um, again, my, my piece is easy. It's a check every month. And it's just um, this stage in my life. I'm a single mom of a nine and 11 year old. and um, Which I find hard to believe. <laughs> I'm like, did you start your company when you were 20? Like, uh, how, did, no. <laughs> how did that? I mean, like 20, I mean three. You're my like, new best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, I was 30, um, 30 or 29, 30. And, um, and, and yeah, so for me in this stage of my life, it is, uh, my, you know, the way I can give back is a try and attempt to raise two servant leader sons and use the company, you know, for a kingdom impact. For, so for Blackfin Square, what that means, it's, it's a COA, so it's a financial um, giving. And then um, we do, as a team, we'll do some servant work projects um, twice a, a year in Atlanta. And we bring the entire team together, um, the company together, and we do a service project. And we surround it um, around our strategy meetings. And the feedback that I've received personally from associates of what it meant to them um, to actually take a day out of their life and help others and serve others has just been um, it's been quite amazing. And the stories that they've told me of what they're doing in their own communities um, with their own families is, um, is kind of why I feel called and, and really privileged um, to be a part of Blackfin Square and be called to run Blackfin Square. Mm, great. So, Tyler, we're going to turn, turn the conversation over to you. Uh, tell us about what, what you're seeing um, in terms of your sustainable work, your coffee farm and the work that you're doing in Uganda. Well, I think um, a lot of what we're seeing uh, as a 501c3 uh, is that a lot more businesses are starting to realize what they can do globally um, in giving and in connecting their their faith and their beliefs with their company as a platform um, to do good, like we've been talking about. Um, There's so many different things that a company can do for a ministry. and it's not 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 only cash, um, but just so many different. Uh, you know, they can do stocks, they can do shares, they can do so many different things to affect the lives of people all over the world. And technology really is has has made the world so small that uh, people are connected uh, all over the world. And so, um, a lot of the things that we're seeing is these companies that have this technology, they can use that to change lives and, and help people all over the world. Um, one of the things that we're doing is a lot of self-sustainability. And that's one thing that Blackfin Square has really impacted us uh, in a big way in Uganda. We've been able to use the gifts that they give us and start a 17-acre coffee farm uh, the Pete Goodwin Memorial Coffee Farm. And we we're able to uh, grow coffee, grow corn, grow beans. And it's an income generating thing for our ministry and a way to also help feed the children that we care for and that we rescue. So who was Pete Goodwin? Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Goodwin was uh, a, a member of, of Blackfin Square. Um, and uh, I think uh Shannon would be uh, yes. better to tell that story. <laughs> so, so Pete Goodwin, um, gosh, an amazing man. He was our VP of sales. And um, Pete was uh, such a, a major part of the culture at Blackfin Square. Um, he was building our team, huge personality, ex-Marine, great father, great dad. And he was just all in, absolutely loved the work we were doing for Blackfin Square, absolutely loved what he was doing. And, you know, for me personally, um, for the first time in 17 years of having the company, last summer I was able to take off the entire month of July and be a mom. And that was because of Pete Goodwin and our COO, Chris Parker. Well, last uh, August, Pete came back. Um, was uh, I came back and um, Pete wasn't feeling well and thought he had a stomach virus. And by that Saturday night, he was in the hospital and um, uh, had surgery and was diagnosed with stage three pancreatic cancer. And um, by far the hardest thing, I, I don't think, they talk about the human factor when you start a company um, and the amount of, you know, um, just the weight on your soul- shoulders. And, and Pete was, uh, we, we lived that sickness with him. That's all I can say. Uh, it was absolutely devastating to the company. And hardest thing I know that Chris had to deal with, hardest thing for sure that I've ever de- had to deal with. Um, you know, but uh, in the end, he was right with his creator and um, he lost his life. He had a 10-month battle. Of pancreatic cancer, and he died Easter Sunday. 
and this year? of this year, this past year. Um, and, um, and so Tyler and Lee presented the coffee farm and named it after Pete. And it's the Pete Goodwin Memorial Coffee Farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Who is Chris, mm-hmm. by the way? Chris Parker is our CO- COO. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Phenomenal COO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were super close. And so, um, you know, I think when, when you're part of your executive team, you're in the trenches with these guys every day and they become family. And so um, it was just a, a really tough blow for the organization. Mm-hmm. A huge loss. But um, it, his funeral was um, uh, in April. And uh, the pastor got up and said, and, and he was talking about that Pete's favorite, most favorite prayer uh, in the very end was the Lord's Prayer. He asked for people to re- recite the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again. And, uh, and we recited it as a, um, a congregation at his funeral. Um, well, that night, my son, my nine-year-old, um, he did his normal prayer, dear God, thank you for my cousins, my family, you know, all the angels and your son, Jesus, amen. And then Hunter said, mom, can I say another prayer? And he started reciting the Lord's Prayer. And we never say that prayer in our house. Um, they go to a Christian school. I'm sure that's where he learned it. Um, but I just kind of took it as, okay, that was Pete, you know, saying, saying thank you for taking care of them with the 10-month battle of, of cancer. Mm-hmm. And he was maybe, maybe messaging that through my nine-year-old. But yeah, that's, that's basically Pete. But Liv and Tyler um, really honored Blackfin Square by name in the coffee farm after Pete. Mm-hmm. Tyler, I'm I'm very curious about you receive a lot of support from uh, Blackfin Square and folks here in the United States. But what is the 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 benefit that you see that the companies receive or the you know Blackfin Square in particular or maybe other companies receive from the giving? Because the discourse that I've heard is a lot about the benefit that the nonprofit receives from the company. But what benefit does the company receive from the service that they do for you and the good that they're doing? Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of CEOs are um, may have good intentions, um, but may not be necessarily motivated to make that leap uh, to actually giving or et cetera, sharing some of their profit. So what benefit do you see that companies get from the, the good that they do? Well, I think there's, there's many different benefits. Um, you know, the, the most obvious, of course, is um, giving less to the government and more uh, to <laughs> to ministries. Um, so giving can all, can always help with uh, with with the tax process. Um, but also, I think that uh, as for Blackfin Square, as Shannon was saying, I think it really helps bring the your your staff and your team and your company together um, around a common goal. Um, they're working more than just for themselves, uh, more than just to to enrich their own lives, but also they know that every day when they come to work, they're also working to help people around the world. Um, and the money goes goes so far um, in Uganda and in other third world countries, something that uh, may seem relatively small, um, not that what they're giving is small, but it can just do so much more in a third world country than it could ever do here in the United States. And so the the money that's given you know uh, is affecting hundreds of families in Uganda and just changing lives and rescuing children and so those things when you can give that kind of motivation i think to to your staff and to the people it can really unite them bring them together and even make them work harder for you one of the things i've observed is that um, certainly with one of our member companies the retention is incredible or employees who are in this kind of environment where they see that their the work as a programmer or whatever they're doing in technology is not the end game. And they see that they're able to give and that they have a CEO who uh, not only allows that, but encourages it. And in this same company I'm thinking about, they actually have people knocking on the door trying to become part of that company because they've heard of this amazing culture where you not only talk about giving back, but you do give back. Uh, And I can remember one story this um, CEO shared with us one day is that even those people who don't believe the same Christian belief system share the values. And this uh, particular employee was an, an avowed atheist, but 
He loved the fact that they served food to these homeless folks on Thanksgiving. I think it was maybe Christmas. And he said, I would come and work at this company just for this. So I think it affects the bottom line in a big way because uh, losing a good employee or hiring a new one cost can cost one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollars, and that's bottom line impact when what you're doing is sharing the resources you have with someone else mm-hmm. who's less fortunate. Emma, I am curious about one thing that you just mentioned, which is. E- the Christian um, theology and and discourse, you know, is very strong with the CEOs, especially those in in your group that follow this faith. How how do they make it inclusive? So people who are atheists or who may not have the same faith or, you know, et cetera, um, can can actually feel a part of the the values and not feel excluded? Great question. Uh, And I'll maybe use another member as an example. Ran a he sold it now, but a big uh, advertising agency and a lot of creative people and folks who are of all different beliefs and non-beliefs. I guess everyone has a belief system. But he was just very clear, you don't have to believe what I believe, but here are the values that we espouse. And there are things that everybody should espouse, like integrity, like giving back, like being encouraging and loving and tolerant of people. Tolerant doesn't mean you have to believe what somebody else believes, but it does mean that you share, as a Christian, you share the love that Christ shared with us, with everyone. And so that's never been an issue if you uh, do what sometimes I think of as beating people over the head with a Bible. (laughs) That's not going to work. But if you demonstrate the very love that we know Christ has for us to other people, then folks come. And in my own experience— that doing a great job and loving people, however they come to you in your organization, is really how I began to understand that when I thought I was being called to be a full-time ministry out of corporate, I already am. Because the CEO has the most influence over every employee in that company that anyone can have. And if that person is demonstrating those values, then it cascades through the organization whether you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you just like the way that people get treated in that organization. Mm. What about you, Shannon? How do you make sure that, it, that everybody is included in this vision and in, in those in your beliefs? Yeah, you know, so for me, um, it, it's not like I go around quoting scripture. Number one, I don't know a whole lot of scripture. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. It's not what I do. For me, it's um, it's living the Bible. Um, I'm super respectful um, of everyone else's beliefs in our company. And there's, you know, we employ all faiths and uh, we'll continue to employ all faiths. It's, for me, it's not about that. Um, for me, it's just the servant nature. And that's what I want to do is maybe plant a seed or um, just be a light, you know. Um, sometimes it'll play out in just personal one-on-one conversations with an associate um, who's struggling with something personally, and they'll ask, you know, about my faith, and I can share it that way, or we, um, you know, we'll talk about God. But, you know, for me personally, it's not in our, on our website. It's not, we don't open up meetings in prayer. Um, for me, it's more doing the Bible, I guess, instead of quoting the Bible. Mm. That's how I feel like I can be an influence. Um, so as you are thinking about you know, your philosophy and maybe being able to spread that philosophy. Do you think, and I'll address this to all three of you, uh, do you think that it's just a mindset? Because CEOs have a reputation, maybe somewhat justified for being egotistical. (laughs) (laughs) And so is it, and this is a very selfless, you know, come from this standpoint of service. I serve my employees. I serve my customers. I mm-hmm. serve the world. I serve people. You know, I'm just like all about service, right? <laughs> so, I mean, is that just a mindset or can people grow in that regard? Oh, I think absolutely people can grow in that regard. I've grown in that regard. You know, as my faith has matured, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've grown. Um, I've grown a lot more dependent on God. Um I've grown as a leader because I think, you know, for a while I was so hard on myself. I was so hard. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a C student. What am I doing? I'm not a CEO. I'm a good producer. You know, I'm a leader. I'm a good producer. I'm a terrible manager. You know, 
all of that. But I've evolved to the fact where I am now that I absolutely recognize God's gifts for me and got what God gifted me, which, you know, I'm a leader and a producer. And, um, and now I've surrounded myself with other talents, like our CEO, COO is a ridiculous manager, great leader, great manager. And so I think, you know, for me personally, it's just recognizing I'm not gifted in every arena. I struggle with communication. For me to be on this show is, uh, <laughs> is, um, is, you know, is um, pretty ironic. You know, it's not, I'm not in my comfort zone. You sound zone. great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, not in my comfort zone, but like for me, it's, it's. Um, Listeners are saying, you could have fooled us. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's been an evolution and it's, it's helped me honestly with confidence that, you know, when we, when I bring my team and we actually do a service project uh, and we're delivering on the, um, you know, for our clients that it just gives me more confidence and more actually, um, a desire to learn because I feel like the moment I stop learning is the moment I stop leading. So that's my perspective. Speaking of evolving and learning, I think that's one reason at least Christian CEOs, but CEOs in general come together in forums because and there are very few places where CEOs can take off the mask and show anything less than I'm in charge. And so being able to come together with other people facing the same challenges you are is very powerful. And through that, we've seen people grow immensely in their ability to lead a company. One of our members joined because, as he said, I founded the company, but I've never been the CEO. I have no clue how to be a CEO. And he was a brand new Christian as well. And so he learned through the rest of the group how to do his job, but also how to share his faith in a, in a way that works rather than alienates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about you, Tyler? Do you, do you think that, that CEOs can become more service-oriented and um, grow in, in, in terms of being more selfless over time? Uh, I definitely believe that. I think that um, you know, leaders, leaders aren't born. I think leaders are, are made. And I think that, uh, as Shannon was saying, leaders, to be a good leader, you're always learning. Um, you, you never stop and you're always changing. You're always adapting to the things around you. And I think that anyone can, can learn to, uh, to give more, to be more selfless. Um, and, and I think as, as CEOs see other CEOs uh, doing this, being examples of this, and seeing how it affects their companies um, in, in good ways, um, then that trend will grow. Mm. One thing I've been very curious about for a long time is the way in which uh, a CEO's faith, and I use that word faith in the broadest terms, uh, belief system helps them kind of transcend and go through this journey of being a business owner um, and a leader of people. I would love to hear if you guys have a sto- each of you have a story of a time when your your belief system or your faith kind of helped you pull through a difficult time because one of the I think the gifts that anybody who is a CEO who starts a business has is being able to stay in that gap, you know, that gap between when you're waiting for that big deal or when something has happened, you're in some crisis and to be able to stay in that place of uncertainty and, you know, move through it, not knowing how things are going to turn out, I think is something that by definition requires faith. And I'd love for you to weigh in on whether or not you observe that. And I think almost all business owners or CEOs have to have that, even if they don't articulate it as a a Christian belief or a spiritual belief. And I'd love for you you all to weigh in on that. I'll start. There's um, something that we talk about and share about in our company a lot because it was so powerful. We uh, had been trying to get a big deal with a very large telecom company. And at the end of the day, Uh, They wanted us to do some things that we did not believe fit our value base. And by that, I mean, if you have a strong value base, then that becomes a filter for everything that you do. And so we had some checks in our spirit, and we said, no, thank you. I don't think this company and these particular people had ever been told, no, thank you, for a big contract. About three days later, they called us again and said, I'd be really curious to know why you turned us down. We want to talk to you again. We shared very openly what we believed God was telling us and what we thought was the rub between our two value bases. 
And at the end, they said, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And we will change what we are asking you to do. And they hired us. But that was the willingness to walk away because it did not meet and, and support what we believed, not purely from a Christian perspective, but the values of integrity uh, and honest work was so, th- that was so important to us, and they believed, they understood it in the end, but we didn't hold back. We, ex- we even quoted the scripture that had come to mind when we were struggling with whether to say yes or no. So you got to be willing to walk. What about you, Shannon? Gosh, my story is not that good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, let's see. Um, you know, I, I would say for me, uh, we, well, we just got done doing an organizational health assessment, which I highly recommend. It didn't cost the company that much money, but it's a, um, it's, it's a, an anonymous survey that goes out about 45 questions to all of your employees. And it just, um, it rates about um, all different capacities of the company. So personal uh, relationships, management, system and processes, leadership, marketplace, highly recommend doing it. But we just got the results on, on Friday, the readout. And, um, you know, one of the questions was, you know, does your organization give back to your community? And your world and our associates, um, they reported you know, like ninety-two percent, and we almost got a perfect score on the on the giving back. And um, I guess for me, it was validation. I just feel like our associates want to be part of something. Um, they want to know that their work that they do every day is making a difference for their clients and beyond that. And I was just so pleased with that. Definitely have tweaks in other areas, no question. We wouldn't get, get that high in everything, but um, highly recommend that. But, you know, when, when things get really tough um, in our industry, if, if there's not a deadline every day, you know, it's just not a normal day. It's a high-paced, high-fast uh, moving industry. Um, associates can get, dis, you know, just struggle a little bit. And, um, you know, sometimes the leadership will remind them what you do. You show up to work and what you do every single day makes a difference with our clients and abroad. And what about you, Tyler? I think, um, you know, as a, as a leader and as a CEO, you, there's always going to be pain uh, involved in leading people and leading companies and leading ministries. Um, I've, I like the quote that your, your leadership will only grow to the threshold of your pain. Uh, as you get involved in people's lives and as you uh, are working through processes in your, in your company or in your ministry, there's there's struggles and there's things that you face um personally uh with with my ministry in uganda in 2013 we faced a lot of a lot of struggles um it's really a long story but uh everything from uh false accusations against us um being in the police stations um having our uh you know the the physical welfare you know uh being in dangerous situations because of what was happening, um, losing some staff, things like that. Uh, that's really where we had to stand on our faith and not on the things that we were seeing happening around us, but just standing on the fact that we knew that the Lord had called us to do this work in Uganda and that he was going to uh, take care of us and defend us, and, and he did. Um, you know, we came out the other side with uh, with a few scars, but um, it really was it did something for our our ministry and our staff. You know, they say the people that you 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 fight beside become family, and so mm-hmm. uh, it really united us, and it uh, brought the respect level for our uh, ministry in that community to a level that uh, you know maybe would have taken ten years uh, if we hadn't gone through those struggles, and it and it and it gave us a respect. Uh, that would have been hard to get um, so quickly. If you were going to give some advice to CEOs who, other than doing some of the, the, the donations and the service projects that you, uh, you've done, Shannon, uh, that they want their values to really infuse the culture of their, their business, um, there's been a lot of discourse I've heard lately about how important culture is to the health and the growth of the company. What are some other ways that you would recommend that CEOs can have their their values and their beliefs be more than just a good idea or, or cheap talk? To me, it's all about execution. It's about living those values. One of the exercises I like to do with a new 
CEO client is to ask what the values are. And nine times out of 10, they look around the room to try to figure out where that list is of the values <laughs> or pull it out of the wallet because they get it on a little card. And I mean, even Fortune 500 companies. But what happens is if we then take those values and define three or four behaviors, specific behaviors that we demonstrate in the company that support those values, each value, and then three or four that would not support, then all of a sudden it becomes real. People now know, okay, that's why we do business this way. And that's why we don't do business another way. And I I think living it out also reinforces that. The first time you do as I say, don't do do as I do, then that that's a, a breach. And and I'll cite one other member company's uh, medical device company was uh, getting a great offer from GE to buy the company. The one thing that the CEO wouldn't give on was the Christian culture and va- and value base. So ML said said to him, "No go." And about I don't know two weeks later. He came back and he said, you know, that culture bit must be really, really important to you. The CEO said, not just important, it is what makes us so valuable to people like you. They ended up selling the company and it still runs as an independent unit within GE based on their Christian values. Go ahead, Tyler. I think um, there's a a lot of ways to to do this, but I think that clearly communicated values, uh, making sure that the values that you have as a leader and as a CEO are communicated to the people on your team, the people that are part of your staff. Um, you know, top-down leadership. If you're not uh, being an example of those values that you state you have, um, then the people under you aren't. They're not going to believe it. They're not. They also aren't going to do it. And so, I think uh, you know, as the C- as CEOs, you build that culture within your within your company. And so I think the biggest way is just being an example, uh, showing them how important it is, and also protecting it um, from outside uh, forces, from from any struggles that you might be facing, because uh, that's when the the true thing comes to the top uh, is when you're when you're faced with a decision, when you're faced with uh, you know maybe a problem with it with a, with one of your staff members. Or something like that. That's when everyone's looking at you to see is he really is he really going to do those things that he he says he believes. Yeah, and I guess um, f- from my perspective, um, it's handling those tough conversations sooner. So I, I just feel like we have to respect those employees, associates that are doing the job, executing, and getting the job done. It's not fair of them to be surrounded by people that are not. So for us personally, it's having those tough conversations really early and uh, resetting expectations. And, you know, if it doesn't work out and we're not the right fit for an employee, um, we have the tough conversation and execute on that, basically. I think we owe it to everyone who does show up every day. Um, So that's, I would say that's for me. I think that is a point worth making. A lot of people think that to be a Christian CEO means you let people run over you. But that's not doing business in an excellent way. And that's what we're called to do. So I think that our faith informs some of those tough decisions and the way we handle that, whether it's letting someone go, uh, it's a reprimand, it's conflict. We spend a lot of time in our group learning how to manage conflict and do conflict in a Christ-like way. But we do make tough decisions. If we don't make a profit, those of us are for profit, then we don't have the resources to help somebody like Tyler, to help our employees, to take care of Pete's family. There are so many things that demand that we actually live what we preach. So I want to go back to a statement that you made, Emma, a couple moments ago. So you said that you that one real way of having the values come from the, like, it's a great idea to really being executed effectively in the business is you take a concept 
and you break it down into specific behaviors. So let's take integrity as an example. There's so many companies that say, you know, I value integrity and integrity is one of our core values. In fact, Enron said that. (laughs) So if you were going to take integrity and talk about like a few specific behaviors that you've seen really have integrity infuse the culture of the of the company what are some of those specific behaviors i'll give you one that uh, i personally lived through integrity means that you uh, are honest with your clients honest with yourself and honest with your colleagues your employees I've had to fire a Christian CEO one time because he was abusing the the people on the team. And so I walked in and was a great monthly retainer and said, we are men and women of integrity and we can't allow this kind of behavior. So as of today, I'm withdrawing the team and we will not be working with you. He was stunned. He told me I couldn't fire him. And I basically said, watch me. Be, and I can tell you that that went through the organization in a mighty way. People knew that we stood up for what we, what we believed and we took care of people. So that's one example. Mm-hmm. We've also had to fire clients for just uh, being incredibly disrespectful to our employees. And it's just not, we're not going to tolerate that. It's not the culture we li- live in and um, it's not what we expect of each other. We're, we definitely expect the respect uh, expect the um, to be respected by clients too. So we've had to terminate clients. Mm. Well, how do you uh, not give into the fear? Because a CEO may be in an example in a situation where you know they have a big client. Let's say the client is a significant portion of their business, 30 percent of their business. And it's the choice between that profit that keeps everybody employed and, you know, these lofty values that, you know, many cases may not pay the bills. How do you, what's the the counsel around dealing with the fear and the practicality of it? I think Tyler said it a minute ago. Uh, The Bible says, fear not. Do not be afraid or anxious for anything. I will never, never, never leave you. And I think that if we really believe that, we know that the Lord will provide in a way that might be totally different. In my case, when I fired that client who was about 20% of our um, monthly revenue, a, an even bigger deal walked in the door the next week. And we were able to staff it and do the work because we had said no to something that was not right. So do we have human emotions and we're fearful and anxious? Oh, yeah. But... We also know that we serve a God who's really good at providing. That's one of his names is Jehovah Jireh. He, he, my husband likes to say, Jehovah always Jireh's. We got, he always provides. And so if we stand up for him like he stood up for us, then it will happen. Not the way we think it will happen all the time, but it will happen. Hmm. What about you, Tyler? How do you deal with uh, the moments when your faith may not be not be as strong as you would you would aspire for it to be um definitely it definitely happens uh mm-hmm. <laughs> more often than uh, probably i'd like to admit um definitely times when we wonder you know how are we uh how are we going to make it through the next month or the next six months um and i think it that's that's when you just have to stand on the foundation um that the lord uh, has has promised us in his word um that he's going to, he's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. Uh, It doesn't mean that, you know, there's never any problems. It doesn't mean that uh, you don't go through seasons of, of suffering and, and, you know, trying to scrape together what you need to get by. Uh, But those are the times, you know, when, when you're being tested and when your faith is tested, that you can really uh, be an example uh, to others around you. They can watch how you walk through that situation. And, um, you know, that's just uh, a, a time when your faith grows. And uh, each time it happens, you're a better leader um, and you're more prepared for when it's going to happen next. Yeah, I think it sets the stage for what's coming. <laughs> um, as Tyler mentioned, problems aren't going going away. Um, for me personally, I think the challenges, especially, you know, through Pete Goodwin's um, sickness, um, our entire sales team turned on its head and uh, 
you know, I, I think it taught me complete dependence on God. Mm. And it's still continuing to teach me that. Wow. It's, it's, a, it's a process. <laughs> and the way you handle that, I think, is also what opens the door for another conversation. So we already said we don't beat people over the head with the Bible. But if you see that we act out our values, that's when I've gotten the most questions. So, Emma, tell me more. Uh, what makes you able to do that? Why weren't you? I've had clients say, why are you not demonstrating the fear that all of us are as the company goes down the tubes? And my response is, would you really like to know? And then I can share my faith and where I get my strength and my calm. They don't know that, you know, I'm not always calm, but if you can demonstrate (laughs) that then I think it, that is when doors have been open for me to have a very frank conversation about what makes me tick. Mm-hmm. And for me, this gets this gets very real. So most people past the age of 25 have had some major disappointment, failure, you know, suffering, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so you, know, you personally contrast this with the Lord will provide and you know, God's going to sustain me and God will take care of you and all those things. God is good all the time, blah, 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 right? All those wonderful platitudes. And then most of us can point to a, uh, at some point in our life where we felt like God didn't take care of us, mm-hmm. where God did let us down, where, you know, there was a major failure or disappointment. And so for people who may not have or may ha- have those doubts or fears or, you know, those instances where, you know, things didn't turn out. I mean, how do you, uh, I mean, where's the foundation, right, of, of faith when you have a specific instance where God failed, or we, the experiences that God failed? And I don't know that God ever fails, but he certainly doesn't work on the same time frame and the same plan that I have in my little head. And so I think the, the answer is to look at the long term. Because, yes, there are, why did Pete have to go so young, so early, so successful? Why do some projects fail or you have to fire a client? Because God's got something bigger, better, different in the future. And bigger and better doesn't mean there's going to be a bed of roses. It sometimes means a lot of hardship and um, human failure. But if you think about some of the great people in our times, even like Mother Teresa, she never got a really good break, but she changed the world. So I think that, that it's important that you just keep on keeping on. And most of us, when we look back and say, wow, I'm glad it didn't happen my way. And I've certainly had some what I call high-volume discussions with the Lord in private. <laughs> One's vehicle is a great place to just blast him and say, I don't get it. And I, mm-hmm. I know one specific situation, I remember saying, this is so bad that whatever you've got in mind better be awfully good, except I didn't say awfully. And I, you know, now, almost 20 years later, I can absolutely see it was the right thing. Did I enjoy the time I had to go through it? No way. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, like I said, it's been with Emma, it's, it's been a journey for me. You know, I got a divorce four years ago, you know, Um Hard. I mean, very, very hard. Hardest thing that I've ever been through. With young kids too. Yeah, with with babies, and um, you know, and and as a result, what's happened as I looked up and I can see his plan through servant work and through Tyler, and now it's coming a little more clear. And my continued development, um, you know, as a leader. So I didn't agree with it at the time. I didn't like it, um, you know. But I see his works now and see the result of um, my continued growth. Mm-hmm. I think uh, many times when people uh, hear hear people of the Christian faith say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trusting in the Lord. I know that the Lord's going to provide for me. Um, the Lord's going to take care of me no matter what. Um, and then they look, they're looking into that situation and they see the suffering and they see things not going well. Um, it is a, you know, it's just human nature to, to automatically think, well, the Lord has failed. The Lord's failed me, or the Lord has failed that person in that situation. Um, but in Scripture, we're never we're never promised uh, an easy life. We're never promised that there won't be suffering. Um, if if you just look at the historical life of Jesus Christ, um, it it didn't turn out. Uh, it, his life was hard. You know, he died on a he he was executioned, um, 
and ex- executed, and and so were uh, many of his followers. Uh, and so, as we follow Christ, we we know that there's going to be persecution. We know that there's going to be suffering in this world, um, but we also know that. The Lord is the only one that can give us, uh, can 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 fill us and can 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 give us that full life that He promises. Uh, and that doesn't mean monetarily. Uh, it doesn't mean uh, with a big house with with a nice car. Um, but it just means uh, on the inside. And 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 I think that's that's where that's where the difference is. It's it's not uh, it's not in this world. Uh, and and maybe it will be in the next world uh, when we will see the that come to fruition. All of the promises, all of the things that we stand on, we know that uh, even if they don't come in this world, they're going to come in in the next. Great. So uh, not to end on a downer, that I noticed that the energy went down. So to to end on a hopeful note, by contrast, tell tell us a little bit as you look into the future of your your business. Um, you know we're how you think your faith is going to continue to uplift and, and, uh, and uphold your business. What are you looking forward to, I guess, in, in the future? And why do you think this faith journey is worth it for you? I can't imagine it without it. So when you say worth it, uh, it, it's my life. And I believe with all my heart that every opportunity where the door gets opened, somebody thinks they need help with a merger or an acquisition or a strategic plan And I know from experience that almost every time I'm going to get an opportunity somewhere along the line to share my faith in Jesus Christ. So I don't do much marketing. I really do try to let the Lord lead me to those places because I know that what I do is just a vehicle to be able to share who He is. Great. And Shannon? Yeah, and and I guess for Blackburn Square, it's, you know, continued growth, um, uh, more opportunities to have one-on-ones, be the light when I can be, um, and really continued um, additional ministries that we can support. So continued growth um, so that we can give back and find additional places to give. Right. And what about you, Tyler? We, uh, you know, for, for us as a ministry in Uganda, it's it's our day-to-day. It's, it's what we do full-time. And so um, our faith just enables us to continue the work that we do to reach more people, to rescue more kids, to to do more more programs and projects in Uganda and reach reach more people. Wonderful. Well, if anybody who's listening wants to find out a little bit more about anything they've heard from you today, um, Emma, how can they get in touch with you? Our website is morris-group.com. And that's probably the best place to go and find out what we do and meet some of our clients. Very good. And Shannon? And Blackfin Square, so blackfinsquare.com, or else um, Shannon Gruby, G-R-U-B-E, on LinkedIn. Great. Uh, for us, it's uh, Okoa Refuge, which is uh, O-K-O-A, refuge.org. Uh, and you can find out everything that you would want to know about us. And uh, we're also on Facebook. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for a wonderful show, guys. Thank you. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.